Good morning. Today is Thursday, January 26th, 2023. I mentioned before that had you gone last week to Gelbstein's Bakery in Lakewood, New Jersey, you could have purchased the frog cupcakes that they made, uh, recognizing the second of the ten plagues in last week's Torah portion by Era, the frog, Svardeyat, frog cupcakes. I can't imagine what kind of cupcakes they have made for this week, the Parsha of Bo. At the Seder, for many families, it has gotten even more creative. There are finger puppets for all ten plagues, which works out very well because there are ten plagues and ten fingers, so there's a finger puppet for every plague for every finger. We have wind-up toy frogs that jump around the table. And there are funny songs. There's a funny song about the frogs. Frogs here, frogs there, frogs everywhere. Funny song about Paro, Paro in pajamas in the middle of the night. And there is, in my opinion, something jarring about that. Something that should be jarring to all of us. Rabbi Moshe Lichten, sorry, Rabbi Moshe Lichtenstein, a wonderful, wonderful person and scholar in Israel, he asked the following question. There are ten plagues. Seven of them were in last week's Torah portion, and three of them are in this week's Torah portion. And by the way, just to share my own personal memory device, the word bow, which is this week's Torah portion, if you take the numeric value of those two letters, bet two, aleph one, comes up to three, you can remember there are three plagues in bow and the first seven in Vaera. Why are they split up like that? First of all, why not have all ten in one portion? Or barring that, why not divide them equally? Why not have five in one, five in the other? Why seven and three? And Rav Lichtenstein explains because there is a fundamental shift from last week's Torah portion, Ve'era, to this week's Torah portion, Bo. And you see this most clearly by looking at the secondary characters in the narrative. First, let's look at last week's Torah portion, Ve'era. Moshe and Aaron come before Paro to perform a miracle that God has commanded them to perform. And they do this miracle, and they do it in front of Paro and in front of his servants. The avadav of Paro, the servants of Paro, means his advisors, his political appointees, the government officials, the bureaucrats that run the country. That's avadav. So, Moshe and Aaron do this miracle, and then Paro calls his sorcerers and his wizards, and they also do the same miracle. So notice. Paro's response to Moshe and Aaron's miracle is not from his advisors and his civil servants who run the government. 
It is from his religious leaders, the priests, the sorcerers, those people connected to idolatry that Paro had around him. They are the ones who respond to Paro, not the civil servants, because the civil servants at that moment felt, listen, this is a theological dispute. They say their God is greater. We say our God is greater. Let the theologians fight it out among themselves. Let the priests, let the rabbis fight it out among themselves. It doesn't affect the government. It doesn't affect the civil servants. And that um, theme, that sentiment, is repeated throughout the Parsha. And likewise, the purpose of those seven plagues in last week's Torah portion is to try to convince Paro and his sorcerers and priests and wizards the truth of God, to convince Paro that God is the one who is all-powerful, to convince God that God is in control of nature. And that is achieved by the end of last week's Torah portion. Near the end of last week's Torah portion, by Yishlak Paro, by Yikra Moshe Aaron, Paro calls to Moshe and to Aaron, by Yomra Alehem, and he says to them, Chotasi Hapam, I have sinned. Hashem Hatzadik, God is the righteous one, God is the correct one, Va'ani Va'amihar Shoyim, and I and my nation, our gods, we're just wicked. You're right, we're wrong. But Paro still did not relent to allow the Jews to go free. In our Torah portion, the Parsha of Bo, starting with the eighth plague, Arbe, the locusts, and then Choshech, the darkness, and then number 10, Makas Bechorus, the plague against the firstborn, these last three plagues have a different goal. Their goal is to destroy Egypt. Their goal is to provide punishment for the persecution that the Egyptians have inflicted on the Jewish people for the previous two centuries. Up until now, during the first seven plagues, the country itself was not in danger. So the civil servants, the bureaucrats, those who run the government, they let the clerics fight it out. But in our Torah portion, Bo, there is a shift. Because now it is the civil servants that speak up. It's the Avde Paro, those who are in charge of running the government. Finally, they speak up and they say to Paro, is Paro, is this really worth having your country, our country, destroyed over this issue with the Jews? Finally, they step in. Vayomru Avde Paro love. First time, the Avde Paro speak in our Torah portion, and they say to Paro, How long will these people keep ensnaring us? Let them go. Send them out. Let them serve their God. Is it worth holding on to them at the expense of the destruction of Egypt? And that's why, says Rav Moshe Lichtenstein, there are seven plagues in last week's portion, three in this week's portion, because there is a shift in purpose of the plagues. Two different categories. To 
demonstrate the power of God to punish the Egyptians and to destroy Egypt. And this shift should get us to focus on a deep truth. And it relates to last week's Torah portion, but even more so, more deeply, to this week's Torah portion, and that is, behind every political and military decision, there was a human price that was extracted from the people of Egypt. There was deep human misery and suffering throughout the entire Egyptian people. Starting at the very beginning, just think about this for a moment in human terms, all of the water turns to blood. All the fish die. There's no water to drink. There's also no water to bathe. All the fish are dead. Imagine the smell, imagine the discomfort, the, the, the difficulty, and it lasted for seven days. Seven days with no water? With stinking smell throughout the entire country? It's, it turns your stomach. And then come the Tzvardea, the frogs. We make jokes and we talk about cute frogs and cupcakes. But, I mean, let's be real. They're slimy. They're disgusting. And they were everywhere, right? Remember, we discussed this last week. They're everywhere. They're crawling up and down inside your clothing, in your bed, in your food. And for all ten of them, getting out of the way of the plague was not an option for the Egyptians. There was nowhere they could go. And the people had no idea how long each one would last. And even scarier, they had no idea what was going to come next. Dr. David Fox observes that the Torah refers to, we use the word makkah, which means to hit. It was a, a, um, a strike against Egypt. But the Torah also refers to this as magefa, a plague, the way we would use the term magefa, a plague. And that happens when there is one calamity after another, where there is lasting terror, even after the first hitting stops, the first strike, the terror remains because there's uncertainty, there's fear, there's hysteria, and that creates an impact post-traumatic stress where the impact of the terror and the trauma and the hysteria lasts beyond just the strike itself. And this shift from what may have even started as personal inconvenience and then kind of disgust and then fear for a person's bodily safety and finally the terror of death that came to every single household in Egypt. This is a vivid demonstration of the terror and the trauma that the Egyptian people went through. And Anne Gordon points out in an article in Times of Israel, and I think it's a really important essay, that somehow, strangely, these ten devastating plagues, 
have become the delight of Jewish children all over the world. And the subject of cupcakes and toys and songs. You might have thought that the Jewish community would develop a feeling of not talking about the plagues when the children are around. Because really, I mean, what could be more frightening? Maybe instead of making up toys and puppets and masks, maybe we should rate the plagues not safe for kids. This funny song, Paro and Pajamas in the Middle of the Night. But think about that for a moment. What was Paro doing in pajamas in the middle of the night? His son had just died. His country, his empire, was reeling from tragedy and chaos. There's nothing lighthearted about that. The song is upbeat. The tune is playful. But it does not in any way match the reality. I have no doubt it was just. It was necessary. It was richly deserved by the cruelty and evil, not only of Paro, but of the Egyptian people in inflicting that suffering on the Jews for over 200 years. And I have no doubt it was pinpoint precise as only God can accomplish. No doubt. And I am also not suggesting to remove all of this from our recalling the Exodus. There is something about the plagues that captures the imagination of children, at least before they would think about it for too long and realize what exactly is going on. But kids are taken with them. And one of the important goals of the Seder on Pesach is to engage children, to interest children. And the frog song, just as one example, is just one way of attracting children's attention. And it works for this. And perhaps there is a pedagogic rationale. I'm not suggesting to eliminate it. My grandchildren would be too disappointed. But at the very least, as adults, especially this Shabbos, as we learn here this week's Torah portion about these last three makos in particular, and also on Pesach at the Seder, we should remember the famous wisdom of Shlomo HaMela, King Solomon, in the book of Proverbs, say for Mishlei, when your enemy falls, do not rejoice. At the very least, we should be aware of the suffering and the human toll, the human trauma these plagues inflicted. Deserved, yes, but no less calling for at least our empathy and our discomfort at what happened to them. My friends, I want to wish you a great day, and I look forward to seeing you soon in person.